I want to introduce our speaker, pastor and author Greg Finke. Uh, Greg spoke and was introduced to our church family, the Church of Lutheran Brethren, this summer in uh, June in uh, Fergus Falls as we gathered together. And uh, someone came up to me and said, did you hear this guy? Were you in his session? He was fantastic. He had people laughing and rolling, and then it was quiet as a mouse. He convicted us, and he gets us. Greg has written the book. He's the author of the book of the series that we're going through, Joining Jesus on Mission, with his mission, being an everyday missionary. And who doesn't, who's going to argue with, like, making disciples? You well, you'd don't be surprised. Do, you'd be surprised. <laughs> but the question is, is how do you do that? And so we're thrilled to have Greg here this morning. Uh, I just want to plant the seed. I hope that you will plan on joining he and his wife, Susan. She's in the back there uh, in our J-term class as well. And in your bulletin, uh, we put a insert. And my prayer has been that there will be one takeaway bullet that the Lord will say, daughter, son, we can do this. So, Greg, welcome. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you so much, Pastor. Yeah, I, uh, that was such a good introduction, I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say either. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, indeed we do pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done right in this place of worship, right in this neighborhood, right in this city, as it is in heaven. We pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is indeed very good to, to be with you here today. Um, let's see if I can get this going. Okay, so uh, we represent a ministry that uh, my wife and I launched almost 12 years ago now. We had been a parish pastor in uh, Michigan and then down in Texas, and God called us about 12 years ago to step out and come alongside congregations like yours to help them begin to be more intentional and consistent about, as the book is, is titled, Join Jesus on His Mission, that uh, indeed, while it is still imperative that we send and support missionaries to the othermost parts of the earth, that if we're looking to send people to where there are people that don't know the love and truth of the Father and the Son, then all I really have to do is send you home, send you back out to the places from which you came, send you back to your neighborhood, send you out for brunch this afternoon, or hopefully not this afternoon, hopefully it's still this morning for you. But anyway, go out for brunch, uh, to be able to go to work tomorrow, to go to school tomorrow. In other words, to join Jesus in the places he's already put us. If he's called you to some other part of the world, go. You don't want to end up like a Jonah. <laughs> you all remember what happened to Jonah? Yeah. It wasn't whether he went, it was how hard did he ask God to make it on him before he actually went. But uh, if you're not called to someplace else, you are still called to join Jesus in the places that we live and work and go to school. And that's why we call it Dwelling 114. Uh, it comes from John 114. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And it's a great reminder to all of us that God didn't save the world by feeling love towards it. He, uh, he saved the world by becoming flesh and blood and moving into the neighborhood so that they could experience his love, so they could experience his truth. And indeed, that's something that we are now as his body, the body of Christ. Now that we have Jesus in us, 
Was it, what, you, you didn't like how this is going so far? Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been kicked out, but not quite that fast. I just, uh, uh, yeah, I'm used to that, but. Well, all kidding aside, so uh, uh, we, we, we come alongside because we're the body of Christ now. You got Jesus inside of you. You are baptized into Christ Jesus, right? Romans chapter 6, that means Jesus got into you. And so we now are the body of Christ. That's not a theological metaphor. That's a material reality. That wherever you go, you have Jesus in you. That you're the body of Jesus. And so when we are going to be followers of Jesus, not just worshipers of Jesus, that's important, not just studiers of Jesus, we've got to do that too. But if we fancy ourselves to be followers of Jesus, that means at some point you have to get up off your pew. <laughs> I know a couple of you are nervous, but we have to, after all the singing and the studying, we get up off our pews and we actually follow Jesus, right? The resurrected spirit of Jesus on the loose in Eau Claire. Y'all do believe he's resurrected, amen? And he's not gone off someplace, he's with you always. He goes ahead of us, readying, ripening, preparing people for what? For us. Not to come and save people, we're Lutheran, we know we can't even save ourselves but that we go out not to save people, but that we go out to do the one thing he actually gave us to do, which is to love people. And through that love of God, God then does what only God can do to redeem and restore folks that live right next door, work right next to us, sit in the desks nearby us at school. And that is the simple but real way that we join Jesus on his mission. Now, I don't want you to take my word for this by any means. Uh, in the scriptures, Mark chapter 1, the very first quoted words of Jesus in the, Mar in the gospel according to Mark are in Mark chapter 1, and uh, it's uh, uh, verse 14 and following, after John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And then as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for, many were, uh, for they were fishermen. Uh, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of people. We, uh, we hear those words of Jesus, and then this morning I saw up on the screen and again on the front of your uh, folder, it says, we are a church family eagerly responding to Jesus. Well, what is Jesus asking you to respond to? Well, it's very simple. He says, come follow me. That's not a Bible verse simply to memorize or a lyric to an occasional song. It's a daily invitation to the baptized to those who have received in abundance what the Father offers you in His Son, His love and forgiveness. You are beloved, forgiven children of the Heavenly King. Amen? Look how excited they are, Pastor. You can just see their faces. We're used to that, right? We're used to having a new identity. And there's nothing wrong with being used to that. It's great that we can take for granted every day that we are beloved and we are forgiven. It's great that we can do that. 
Except what happens is, is that if that's all we think it's about, is our new identity being uh, redeemed and restored in Christ, nothing wrong with that, but if that's all you got, well, you've got that and have had that for, some of you, decades. Right? And it's not only, as we read Scripture, it's not only about a new identity. That's first, oh yeah. But also now a new purpose. And that purpose is simple. Hey, you, the baptized. Hey, you, the one that's redeemed. Hey, you, the one that has the love of the Father in abundance. Come with me. We got some things to do. Yeah, it's going to look like you're going to work. Yeah, it's going to look like you're running the kids. Yeah, it's going to look like any other day that you already have had on your calendar, except today we're going out looking for the people who need a little bit of what you have in abundance. Come follow me. Join me on my mission. It's not about us just sitting on the bench, running out the clock, going to church on a weekly basis until we die and go to heaven. Yes, do that. But when all the singing and the studying and the, and the worshiping and the, and the learning is done, then let's get up off our pews and head out with the abundance that we've received in Christ looking for people who need a little bit of it too. Not to save them, not to fix them. Don't be weird, don't be clingy. Just look for folks who need a little bit and then offer it. Like a cool cup of water, like a little pinch of yeast, like a, like a little seed, like a little salt. Offer that which you have in abundance and watch how God uses those simple actions among people that need it so badly. And they just don't know. They've not experienced it. Or worse, they're cynical of it because they've heard all their life, God loves you and They've not experienced it through anybody that has God's love, and therefore, after a while, you get cynical. God loves me? Yeah, right. And here all along, there's been someone living next door, working right side by side, going to the same school year after year that had all that in abundance and never thought to offer it over to that person. Joining Jesus on his mission, that's what we're responding to. And the way we respond is simply with love. Now, like we said, it, it, it's sometimes difficult for us to get our brains around that because many of you, and I'm looking at a lot of folks, not looking at any one fo uh, person, but some of you have been in the church a long time. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Should we, can we leave it at that? And when you were raised in the church, you knew how to do church. You did pretty much what you did now. You came to church, you came to Bible class. If you did that faithfully and over the enough decades, you eventually got elected to a committee, <laughs> the pinnacle of church experience. And so because we were raised in a largely Christian culture, there was no need for us to think in terms of anything other than going to church and then hopefully having services and programs that were above average in some way, at least better than the church next door, and then we would be able to grow. And yet that started not working so well about three decades ago. <laughs> and here we are, still doing things the way we've always done things, hoping for a different outcome than what we're getting. I like to show this picture, and I think you already talked about this a little bit, so I won't dwell on it long, but you can kind of take a look and you, you, I'll let you kind of zero in here. There's a river, right? And there's a bridge. 
Anybody see anything wrong with that picture? Yeah, obviously there's a river and the bridge, instead of it being over the river like you're supposed to have it, it's next to the river. And the first time I ever saw that, I said, who's the dum-dum that knew how to build a bridge but didn't know it was supposed to go over, not beside? And yet it's, uh, there's a backstory. This is a, a, a river down in Honduras, the Choloteca River Valley. And in 1998, Hurricane Mitch came across the Caribbean Sea, stalled over Honduras, dropped about 75 inches of rain over the course of some days. Honduras is a mountainous region. All that water came, came crashing out of the heights into the river valley at such a force that within a couple of days, it literally permanently shifted the course of the river. What you're looking at is not a picture of a misplaced bridge. What you're looking at is a river that moved. And the same thing has now been happening over the course of decades now here in the U.S. with U.S. culture as a river and the U.S. church as an organization. But did you hear, did, did anything kind of ruffle your feathers right there for a moment? Church as organization. Is that what Jesus came to establish, an organization? Huh? I can't hear you. Of course not. He came down to establish a mission movement that would result in the redeeming and restoring of all things to his Father's kingdom. And so while indeed the culture has been moving, and whereas when this church was founded, no doubt it was founded just right for where the river was. But as that culture keeps moving, by the way, the culture always keeps moving. And the organization, those struggles to keep up, because you can only change so many constitutions. You can only uh, change uh, all the organizational uh, items that you would be on the list so often. But what if the church isn't an organization at all? What if, what if the church is a people? who don't live on the bridge, but simply visit the bridge. What if the bridge is not the bridge at all? What if the people are the bridge? Oh my goodness, I think we're on to something here. In other words, the church is not a building. The church is not an organization. The church is not something I join and visit once a week or that I'm, I'm a member of, although those things are true and we're not going to eliminate those, but that's not what the church is. The church is a people. And if you want to put it just bluntly enough, the church is, uh, it, it's river people. <laughs> we could have our own reality TV show, the river people of Eau Claire. <laughs> While we visit the bridge and we're thankful to have this beautiful tool of the Lord, we live in the river. We work in the river. We, we, we buy our gas in the river. We, we, we go out to eat in the river. We're river people. And we're the bridge. Not because we're anything special, no, no, but because of who you have in you. Who is in you through baptism? Amen. Don't forget that. It's real and it's very powerful. Not as you try to manipulate, not as you try to overwhelm, not as you try to convert or convey, or as you're tr trying to save somebody or fix somebody. That just irritates people. But as we start to be more intentional about caring about people, listening to people, noticing people, offering a little bit of what we have in abundance to people, a little love, a little joy, a little peace, a little patience, 
little laughter, a little hospitality. You would be amazed at how a human life responds to the love of God. You might say, well, you know what? We've got God's love here, and that's great. Please keep sharing it one with another. But you're not going to see the amazing power of God's love transform a person's life by loving somebody that's already got it. Their life is already transformed. Their life is already much different because they know they are loved. And do they need more love and need more care and need more kindness? Of course, we all do. That's why we come here and we love on each other and we encourage each other and we spur each other on. But for what purpose? Not so that we're then done, but so that we are now ready to do what? To go out there. And if you want to see the power of God's love, don't become a street evangelist forcing yourself on people. Start to love the ones that are nearby with a sense of intentionality and consistency. And you will see what happens when you, as Jesus has said, starts to spread a little seed on a regular basis. A little seed, a little love, a little joy, a little truth, a little um, compassion, a little uh, insight, a little wisdom. Not just once in a while, but little by little, day by day, as he gives you opportunity, you will see sprouts. Yes, you will. How do I know this? Because it's happening everywhere. Everywhere that is where people are doing it. Talking about it, studying it, that's first. Understanding it, absolutely. But you know what's going to change Eau Claire? You know what Eau Claire needs? One church, let's say this one that knows how to receive it, believe it, understand it, but then gets up off there <laughs> and actually goes and does it. That's what will affect other people's lives. So, um, you ready to go? Ready? How come we still feel this way? <laughs> oh, what, you mean we're going to really go do this? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's not get silly. You mean we're going to go join Jesus on his mission? Well, one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about a little bit during the J-term is some very simple practical things that we can put into play each day. We, we go over them as well in the, in the book. But uh, let's just talk about this one reality that's in the way for most everybody I've ever met. And that is the fear factor. That when we think about joining Jesus on his mission, the thing we feel is fear. Or some, for some of us, abject terror. <laughs> Isn't that why we have a pastor or two? And yet it is so simple for us to understand. Let me ask you this. How, show of hands. How many of you believe God is smarter than you? Just a quick show of hands. Good job, pastor. They all raised their hands. There's two or three in the back, but I think they were just not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, so we all know God's smarter than us, and I can assure you God is too smart to send you out into Eau Claire or anywhere else to do something you categorically cannot do, right? So you're afraid I won't be able to go out and convert. I won't be able to say the right things to convince that I can't redeem and restore. I can't save anybody. No, duh. That is above your pay grade. That's above my pay grade. That's even above pastor's pay grade. <laughs> And so, instead of us worrying about what I can't do, what I will fail at, God says, well, for heaven's sakes, I'm way ahead of you on that. 
in order to redeem and restore, to save and convert, that's, that's hard work. That takes some heavy lifting. That's so hard. That's so heavy. It requires a son of God. And so God the Father was smart enough to send a son of God to do the work that requires a son of God. And his name is? There you go. Notice your name is not, let me just say, in case anybody's name is Jesus, it's not Jesus the Son of God. All right? No, you're not Jesus. God sends Jesus to do the work that requires the Son of God. We are invited by Jesus to come follow me and do what is so simple even a little child can do it. But that, my friends, is the rub. Unless you change and become like a little child, you won't want to do it. And, it, and that is to love the people that need a little love. You can do this. You've been able to do this. Freely you have received it. Now, freely you can give it. It's how it works. It's how it's always worked. And the only reason we're not doing it is it's simple. Ready? Ready? Well, I don't want to. <laughs> oh, so it's not that you can't, it's you don't want to. Well, that's a very, there's a very simple solution to that. Repent. Yeah, yeah, repent, because here's how it's going to go. You don't repent, you keep up with this attitude. I don't want to love people, I don't want to love my neighbor. You don't understand my neighbor, they're irritating. Well, I, I got news for you. We got here early this morning, I talked to your neighbor. Turns out you irritate them too. Now, here we go. we got two neighbors living next to each other. They both irritate each other. But here's the difference. One person has the living God inside of them with an abundance of his love. So who gets to blink? Who gets to get over themselves? Who gets to say, whoops, I repent. I believe the good news and humbly go give what they don't deserve, but they clearly need. You see, we join Jesus on his mission. God doesn't send you on a mission. He sends his son on a mission. He sends you to go with him to be the way by which people experience the love that the word talks about. That's why the word became flesh. So that people could know the Father, so people could hear the Father, so people could experience the love of the Father through whom? Through Jesus. And now that Jesus has died, resurrected, ascended, and now come into you through baptism, you get to have a little fun now. You get to be the way by which people experience. You can't change them, you can't fix them, you can't save them, you can't solve all their problems. Everybody take a deep breath, hold it, and now... Let it out, cleansing breath. You're not Jesus. Let Jesus do the hard work. You do the simple work that even a little child can do. See, we don't go for Jesus. Jesus, you stay here in the sanctuary. I'm going to go save people for you. Does that sound like a bad plan? Yeah, what's well, a bad plan? It's not a plan at all. Right? We don't go for Jesus, we go with Jesus. You, come follow me. You, I'll be with you always. How many of you remember the, the words of Jesus at the end of the Gospel of Matthew? And behold, I'll be with you always. Isn't that comforting? But I think really, as comforting as that is, and it's very comforting, Jesus was actually saying, look guys, I don't trust you any further than I can throw you. So I'm going to be with you all the time. 
You're not the Father, you're not the Son, you're not the Holy Spirit, but you're a beloved, forgiven child. Come follow me. So we don't have to be Jesus' salespeople. Right? Who, who wants to be that guy, right? Now, I'm sure some of you are in sales or were in sales, and you were very good salespeople. I'm not talking about you. I am talking about that guy. A little, pu- pu- a little pushy, a little presumptuous. Not really interested in the person, more interested in making the sale. i got good news for you. God never asked you to be a salesperson. Besides that, it's bad theology. Who's the only person that can sell Jesus to anybody? That's right, pastor. But other than that, nobody else. You know, the only person that can sell Jesus to anybody is Jesus himself. And he's, he's up to it. He works through means, so you can't just expect an angel to come through your neighborhood with love dust and sprinkle it around. There is no plan B. There's only plan A, and that is, as I have loved you, now you go love people. So we are not Jesus' salespeople, we are Jesus' followers. We really are able to live life without anxiousness. Let not your hearts be troubled. What if you meant that? That I'm God, you're not. And I'm faithful, and I'm inviting you to come with me. Let's go look for who the Father's prepared in advance for us today. Come follow me. And what if we did that? What if we did that? Well, let me give you an illustration. Imagine that's Eau Claire. It's not. It's League City, Texas, where we used to live. But pretend it's Eau Claire. And that cross is the building that God's given you, the land and the facility that we have here. And we call it Bethesda Lutheran Church, and that's great. But we all know this is not the church, amen? You are the church. And so instead of us simply identifying on the map where the building is, what if we dropped into, say, Google mapping software where y'all actually live, where the church is, not just a portion of it gathering a couple of days a week for a couple of hours a, a week, but where are we the rest of the time? We can drop that into there, and all of a sudden we can see exactly where the church is, the footprint of this church, where the baptized are. And what if, as we have been distributed, isn't it interesting how it almost looks like God was uh, intentional about placing little, little uh, uh, lights all over, the, all over this uh, community? Well, I got news for you. He was intentional. It wasn't just because it happened to come for sale when you were looking or that it was, happened to be at the right price. No, God placed you where you are. And he didn't just place you there so you could run, you know, uh, sit on the bench, run off the clock till you die and go to heaven, but so that we could start to look at around us, take, take note of who's there, love our neighbor. Out of the abundance of what we've received, to offer a little bit. Again, don't be weird, don't be clingy, don't be pushy, don't be presumptuous. But do be aware. Do be listening. Because when we start to listen with an understanding that God is up to something ahead of us, you'll start to see that he is, in fact, a very busy fella. Come follow me. Let's go see who God the Father has prepared in advance for us to love, to laugh with, to listen to, to um, just come alongside of. Every day is an adventure. 
And what if we did that? You want to see the impact? Not just a portion of the church that gets here on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever you gather. That's great. Don't, get, don't stop doing that. If you want to see the impact of Bethesda on Eau Claire, if all of us throughout the rest of this coming week simply look for an opportunity to offer a little of what we already got, a little love your neighbor going on, bam. That's impact, my friends. Widespread. Neighborhood to neighborhood, workplace to workplace, school to school. Not waiting for somebody that's on a committee someplace at church to do something. <laughs> well, that didn't go over very well. Um, <laughs> but all of us, because of who we are and where we're at and who we're following, joining Jesus on his mission. Dear friends, it's easier than you think and a lot more fun. It's what you were made for. It's now what you're saved for. You've been loved. You've been redeemed. And you've been invited. Come follow me. Come follow me. Got a little video we want to finish this up with. Take a look at this. simple your friends I got good news it's always been that simple we just forgot we got out of practice we set up a committee that could do that for us but the good news is you're still being invited whoops I went one backwards there we go every morning to you his beloved good morning brush your teeth have your coffee Comb your hair if you got it. And when you're ready, come follow me.
Join me on my mission. Let's go see what the Father's prepared in advance for us to do today. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we are indeed thankful that you came after us with your son Jesus, that he died on the cross and rose again to take away our sin and restore to us our lives, both now and forever. But you've also not only restored our identity, but also this amazingly simple but adventurous purpose to be the one that gets up and goes with. We're Jesus' followers by your grace. Give us eyes now that are looking, ears that are now listening, and hearts that are now willing to seek, recognize, and respond to the good that you've prepared in advance for us to do on behalf of others today, tomorrow, and indeed the rest of our lives until you call us home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.